What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. All right. Welcome to Range of Strength podcast. I'm sitting down here uh, today with Garrett Kuljen, also known on the uh, social medias as uh, at G Money Movement, the Supple Dragon. Yep. <laughs> and re- recently, I think I saw there's another one there. What was that one? With the coach, uh, what was uh, the tag? What are you talking about? <laughs> there's another account that you were using. It's just kind of like a... Troy? Troy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Troy, yeah. Troy Gold. Troy. <laughs> yeah. It's the alter ego, the movement yeah. alter ego. So you're in California. Yeah, uh, kind of San Diego area. Nice man. I'm over mm-hmm. here in Eastern Canada. It was a, it was a nice day today, and I was like out there with like sweater and sweatpants on. And I was like, oh, it's so nice. And I was like, Gary's in California. <laughs> it must- yeah, we have a little bit of a cloudy day today, but it's been uh, the sun's been starting to peek out, so nice. It's gonna be a nice summer. Awesome. Thanks for uh, taking the time to sit down and talk with me, man. Dude, it's an honor. It's an yeah. honor to be on the, the legendary Range of Strength podcast, man. <laughs> Uh, we've been connected for a while just through uh, following each other and just watching each other kind of go on different journeys and training and stuff. But mm-hmm. um, we were talking about doing a death metal jam session for this podcast, but <laughs> right, <laughs> came, yeah, came around to, uh, you know, thinking that like we could sit down and have a good conversation about uh, hip impingement. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we can get into a lot of other things as well, too, but you know, that's one thing about your journey that intrigues me the most is like, uh, you were diagnosed with FAI. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, in college. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think like from talking to you, that's kind of like led you into this like greater journey into like understanding your body and, you know, like wanting to help others and kind of troubleshoot that scenario. And I think that that is a discussion worth having, uh, because, hip impingement is it's one of those things that just gets dropped all the time without maybe as much understanding on like what it actually is uh, from that kind of scenario or other ways that we could navigate around it and things like that, that I think that you've obviously spent a lot of time troubleshooting and uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited to get into that kind of conversation, man. But uh, yeah, if, if we could start with maybe you sharing a little bit about how that kind of came to be like Mm. that would be really cool yeah so I guess we could take the long story here but um I kind of noticed something was wrong it's like ever since I was introduced to you know weightlifting and squatting back in high school so like freshman year of high school uh you know playing high school football soccer all that stuff um basically our coach he was you know old school strength coach made us squat ass to grass with everything and as he was demonstrating to do, demonstrating like all these, you know, squatting patterns, clean snatches, all this stuff. Mm. Um, basically, I would try them out. I'd fall flat on my heels. And, uh, you know, 
you seeing all, all my other teammates squat and it's just like, okay, something's different about mm-hmm. my hips and, you mm-hmm. know, and I didn't have any pain at this time, like all throughout high school. Um, my hips never bothered me, but I just always felt blocked off with things like squatting. Like it, you just hit a roadblock and mm-hmm. you just fall back. Um, and you know what? I made a mockery of, of weightlifting at the time. Like I hated any form of fitness. Like I was just in it for the sports. Like I yeah. just love sports. And yeah, that's cool. You know, honestly, like, dude, I would just fuck around. I'd try to stack as much two and a half pound plates on a bar and just <laughs> grunt. Like, I was just in it for the laughs. And honestly, it was probably because I was masking my right. embarrassment for, like, not being able to achieve any of these positions. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, uh, that developed some insecurities around just lifting in general. And then, you know, leading up to me wanting to pursue sports in college, I ended up playing soccer in college that's around the time where I realized, all right, I got to start, you know, trying to develop my body or else I'm mm-hmm. going to be at a big disadvantage, you know, to yeah. all the other players in the college level. So that's where I was really getting into the performance side of training and just really trying to explore that route. And then, you know, as I was getting into more structured lifting stuff, you know, I had to try to figure out how to get into these positions, you know? Yeah. Um, so fast forward, I remember junior year of college, that's when I started feeling, you know, hip pain, because, you know, it's three years in of, you know, hard smashing, yeah. smashing yourself to the floor. So that's when I started realizing I was getting this hip pain. And I remember I went up to my strength coach in college, just like, hey, um, I got this little pinchy feeling in my groin, both sides, and he didn't even know what was going on. He's like, I'll just take a week off see how it is and I and I knew it was something more than that it didn't feel like in the normal like muscular strain kind of thing right yeah um so I mean honestly looking back like I probably should have listened to Tim and like actually took some time off but Mm -hmm. that was like never the advice I would ever want to hear it was like oh just take time off you know yeah I always wanted to you know just add things in add Mm -hmm. things in to try um, to find a way to like make it feel better rather than just resting <laughs> exactly exactly yeah yeah so then all throughout college um this is when i was getting into physical therapy and wanted to study physical therapy in college just because my own body you know just trying mm. to figure out how to get my own body to go from shit to suck as <laughs> yeah. Nito would say yeah <laughs> so i i was super into the kelly Starrett stuff back then you know joint distractions yeah, cross ball smashes, all that stuff. I mean, everyone who's gotten into mobility training, I'm sure you have a yeah. similar background. They all find Kelly Surratt yeah. first. I wanted to be the next K-Star. <laughs> but then something different was born, the Supple Dragon. Supple not the Dragon. Supple Leopard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, man, I remember I would, like, I felt entrapped kind of in the body. Like, I would always have to bring my bands and, you know, Supernova, Smash Ball, like, to the field with me you know like we had a track workout i would get there early yeah. anchor the band to the pole and you know just hammer away on that for 30 minutes and it it was very restrictive like i can never just get somewhere mm-hmm. and just start warming up brief general warm-up and then go you know yeah so were you like like when you were diagnosed with fai like how did that happen like oh, like, okay yeah 
so it just wasn't going away. And then I ended up seeing some doctor uh, back east. And it was just a blanket diagnosis. Like the okay. FAI thing, it's kind of yeah. like, okay, you, we do a few orthopedic tests that are naturally going to stress the, stress the hip in weird ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they give you that blanket statement. You have femoral acetabular impingement. Yeah. And then later on, I ended up getting an x-ray and MRI and it showed cam impingement. Mm-hmm. which is so there's two types of impingements i don't know if you know but yeah. cam impingement where there's the the head of the femur it's not completely round and smooth it's got some bumps on it and it doesn't allow it to kind of rotate nice in the socket and then there's the pincer impingement where it's kind of the overgrowth of the acetabulum on the head mm-hmm. um i can't remember honestly it was a long time ago I know for a fact there was cam, but I don't know if there was a pinch or two. A lot of times you can have both yeah. and then labral tears in both hips. Um, so, yeah, that was. Did they recommend surgery? Ago. Like, did they say like, oh, know? on the spot, dude, it was yeah. like it was such a like a scary thing. Like mm-hmm. I was a kid, you know, in college and they're like, yeah, this is something that won't be fixed without surgery, like rehab traditional rehab isn't going to influence you know the bone and everything yeah okay so that's where i was kind of left yeah and then at that time you chose to opt out of surgery and to kind of like go the other way and navigate that yeah um because you know kelly surrett and people were like that they were kind of talking about this oh you have hip impingement you know you gotta just work on the joint capsule and all this stuff which is still an incomplete very incomplete idea oversimplified yeah. But then I was just kind of looking it up and there's other people who've been diagnosed with this, but they're now pain free. Right. So like I was just doing a crap ton of research because being cut open just scares yeah. me, you know, and I yeah. never. Yeah, I've never had like a major surgery for anything really, except for like teeth. <laughs> yeah. You know, and a lot of times when you do have those major sur- sur- surgeries, you, you still carry with you some form of discomfort or neglect in the body from that surgery it's not like yeah it's 100 percent now it's like oh dude you know yeah like, I've had my, arm, my arm was operated on and it's like okay you know it's definitely stronger but there's always like disconnect there and some discomfort mm. and you know there's been something that's gone on there that was you know change but and that's where i think yeah and yet in that scenario where it is like an fai try, trying to get solutions to like well what am i not doing because i think that's Mm. that's what we're especially with that diagnosis and a blanket diagnosis as well like you said is quite common with that Um, my wife has actually experienced that um she never went and had like the mris done in anything but it was a very blanket like there was no troubleshooting about like well what are you doing for exercise or how it was just kind of like yeah it's fai you know Mm. it's like what <laughs> let's evaluate a little further here yeah um so it's kind of funny how it is always kind of resorted to like that's exactly what it is rather than like how can we train a bit differently or, or think about like ways to navigate that and that's yeah I think where I've watched you and your training and it wasn't even until like this year I realized that you were training through that and like overcoming that kind of uh yeah so yeah, it's, it'd be cool to hear about like, you know, what was the big changing point? Mm. 
So in terms of my training, so after college, um, you know, when you're training in, in a you know, collegiate sport, it's, you're always kind of in limbo. Mm-hmm. And I was always into like, you know, performance training, CrossFit style stuff. I loved Olympic lifting. So after college, it was like, all right, now I'm going full on with strength. You know, mm-hmm. I've always been this endurance athlete. Like I want to get strong as fuck. So I got into Olympic weightlifting, like um, so clean and snatches. And I remember my body just got so beat up. I was on some like 36 week uh, clean uh, snatch and squat program. And like I was squatting super frequently, yeah. snatching, cleaning, which is basically, you know, you know, when you're dropping into the hole, it's just violent compression of the hip, you know, in the joint, especially yeah. if you don't have that extra wiggle room, like, right. you know, people who have been Olympic lifting for since they were a kid. Yeah. So it just came to the point where my shoulder was super inflamed and it's just super chronically, it was, it was probably like a year I had this shoulder pain and it's obviously from snatching like with a horizontal like 45 degree torso and you know <laughs> head turtle heading out and yeah like I just developed so much crap in the body and then I was going into physical therapy school like the next year and I'm like you know what I'm not going to be the physical therapist that's completely in pain you know mm-hmm. yeah. so like and at this time I was still doing all the Kelly Surrett stuff it's been years like I've been doing the Kelly Surrett stuff I probably saw his first 10 minute squat video freshman year of college just trying to figure out all this stuff and it's been what five six years and I'm still the exact same so that like now I'm really like asking the question okay like why am I not making lasting changes yeah um and like I would reach out to the guy I was on his forearm uh forum not forearm (laughs) I was on his forum like uh I was subscribed to whatever his stuff and they're just like Oh, you got to just do it more. You got to just keep doing it more. I'm like, I'm doing this stuff tons of times. Five times a day. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And then, so I get into all the other different, you know, mobility systems out there. Like I'm seeing FRC pop up. Um, Actually, it's a funny story. Like I, so the gym I was working out at, you know, when I was in the Olympic lifting days and everything, um, that's where I met DJ. He was a trainer there, strong camps. Yeah, I'm on your podcast. Yeah. And um, I remember I was just taking a dump one day scrolling on Instagram. And then I saw Dr. Spina reposting DJ like um, and I was like, oh, my God, I remember this guy from my gym. He was a trainer at the gym I was going to do. Yeah. So I reached out to him and that's he that's who got me into the FRC stuff. He introduced me to Edo and um, just all different types of stretching. You know, there's loaded progressive stretching ballistic stretching like different methods yeah. that kelly Sturette isn't using the big smart you know and i'm like <laughs> stretching right, there's and the people using all this stuff like they're crazy flexible and like you i'm starting to see all these before and afters of people who are naturally stiff and now achieving all these positions like deep squatting pancakes like all stuff that like was a dream to me like i would never I never thought, like, honestly, I got into flexibility training just to achieve a deep squat. And then I just thought I'd be content with my life. But it's just like any other skill. It's like, okay, I got the squat. Now what else can I achieve? Yeah. Yeah. I had the same experience, man. Exact same experience. Just wanted to feel better, move better. Never. I was never able to squat ass to grass comfortably. mm -hmm. 
And yeah, I just started stretching my ass off because everyone, yeah, exact same, man. Everyone that I saw that had that flexibility, like they were working their ass off and there was, you know, six different modalities of it that no one was talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no one was yeah. talking about the variations of flexibility training. I'm like, yeah, fuck, I don't know anything. Like, <laughs> exactly. I wish I started following you back in your powerlifting days because yeah. I remember, I think I started following you back when you were the bodyweight dad. Yeah. Yeah, and that was kind really of the start. The yeah. yeah, the start of that journey. Yeah, I didn't even really, I wasn't on social media as much. There's like an old uh, YouTube channel from my powerlifting days that's still up. But Yeah, oh, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, but yeah, man, so you started getting into the flexibility work. Yes, yeah, so now back at the time, I thought like, okay, I found all this new stuff. Mm-hmm. I think I have the answers now, so took the FRC course, you know, started implementing all these different types of modalities. But the problem was I was just kind of implementing them in my currently existing strength program, you know? Right. So I was doing all the end range strength stuff on top of the hybrid Olympic lifting, powerlifting, bodybuilding program that I was doing. Yeah. And I was just starting to feel stiffer, you know? Body was resistant. that's the thing. And that's the the big misconception with things. It's like Kelly Starrett stuff. He comes from the CrossFit world where people, it's not sexy to stretch. It's just, we want to do these wads. So let's give these little non-taxing things you could do before your workout. 10 minutes a day is his thing, right? And then there's FRC and like all the other stretching stuff where it's like, this is the training. This is all you can do. Mm -hmm. So this is the kind of misconception with stretching is that it's, it's not a form of adaptation that like requires a recovery you know yeah. it requires recovery to adapt right it's just the thing that people just throw into their yeah, existing exactly. training but and you have to take no change out. yeah yeah exactly no and, then, and then you end up getting worse at both yeah or just mediocre at both right so you have to kind of implement it in a way that allows you to recover in you know both aspects yeah yeah, that's what's been cool. But watching your training evolve too is like, it was like as my training was evolving that way, like getting back into like strength focused work, but keeping the flexibility there and seeing your training evolve that way too. I was like, man, he gets it. <laughs> I know, yeah. yeah We're definitely so, on the same path with this stuff. And I love how yeah. you're coming out with all this like squats and split stuff. Like, yeah. honestly, if that if I saw that stuff back, you know, three, four years ago, five years ago when I was getting into like actual flexibility training, that would have been like all the answers I needed there. Like <laughs> yeah. just to see somebody doing it and still making progress for like yourself and like thousands of people you work with or whatever. Yeah. yeah. But it's funny because the, the number one thing you experience this too, as a coach, you must, when people come to you is that they still want that uh, quick fix. Like, can I do this with, my Olympic lifting or can yeah. I do this in such a way where I'm not going to lose gains? And it's like, okay, no, <laughs> not really. Like you, you can kind of rope. I think you can rope people in to be like, well, let's just get started and see like how you feel about experiencing like real flexibility training. Yeah. And, and there's, yeah. I think they, most people, unless, unless they like just kind of throw the talent and like, no, this isn't for me. Um, and then they won't really find their answers, but it's, yeah, most people need to be have that exposure for a little while to be like, yeah, I got to give the other shit up for a little bit. <laughs> you know? Well, once you take them through an actual like 
middle split session or something, then they're, they're going to realize, okay, I can't just do this after a giant like 10 by 10 squat workout, you know? Yeah. No, that's or maybe cool. you can, as long as other variables. Yeah. Are. yeah. So like, how has your training, well, I guess like I've seen it and uh, yeah. obviously I, all these listeners that are listening to this after this, they got to go follow you to see like the stuff that you're doing. Like how has it evolved now? Like can you talk about like some of the things that you're, you've broken through on and um, like the direction you're kind of going with your training? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been an interesting journey. So um, when I got into FRC, I fell into the trap. I, um, I gave up strength training and I went full on like, oh, can stretch this. Like I was a lover <laughs> boy, you know, and I, I gave it all up for, for probably a year. And my whole thing was like, okay, I'll just do this stuff. I'll give it all up for three months. Yeah. And then the fact that I'm giving up everything else, all of my focus will be on flexibility. I'm going to get flexible in three months. Yeah. No doubt. You know, <laughs> I gave it up, saw nothing, saw no change. You know, um, I probably went down this route for a year mm-hmm. and uh, it didn't, I mean, I made some progress, of course. Um, especially with the end range strength stuff, you know, like mm-hmm. if you've never been exposed to that stuff, you could make some pretty quick neurologic uh, changes with that. Yeah. So yeah. I saw that stuff early on and then, you know, anything after that, then it's like, okay, now it's going to take tons of time, mm-hmm. but I didn't realize that. And uh, so it was probably like a year or two down that route, you know, decided to test out some squatting again and, you know, barbell lifts. And I was just completely weaker, not much more mobile you know, and then, um, let's see. Uh, okay. During this time, then I got into, um, Ito's training. So more movement culture style stuff. Um, wanted to try, you know, learning handstands and just doing all the skill related stuff. I found Ito back when he came out with his, um, to squat protocol, like his squat, like just learning, researching. Yeah. Researching how to develop a deeper squat. You know, you find Edo's videos on YouTube. And then I just, you know, dive further down his YouTube page and it's like, look at this guy move, you know? Yeah. Like he's got complete freedom in his body. I feel completely trapped between all these bones in the body. And now, you know, I kind of wanted that. So I went down the whole movement pathway. And I'm still, I'm still like really in deep with the movement stuff. But um, so, that's where I was introduced to the loaded progressive stretching um, forms of ballistic stretching, stuff like that. But the way he programs it is just super high volume or at mm-hmm. least how he programmed it back at the time mm-hmm. uh, with his online coaching. So he was doing a lot of loaded stretching, like five, six times a week, wow. sometimes twice a day. And it was, <laughs> it was too much. And my hips were even starting to become more sensitized to that. And, right. Uh, right. So it wasn't working. I, I would say um, last year is when uh, I finally got off Emmett Lewis, Emmett Lewis's wait list. So I've been working with Emmett uh, for about a year and a half now. Yeah. And that's where like, you know, I think that was probably the prime time of, you know, my progress for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Things I, I could see even in the last year, like it became much more focused practice, mm-hmm. like attention to qualities and details and 
like all of those, it's like all those pieces were there that you've been working on. Mm-hmm. Could, like from everything, right? Like uh, all the things you picked up from FRC, you went the Edo route and like all this stuff. It's like their qualities were still there, but you were, yeah, it was like everything came together in unison. And yeah, you know, there's a, yeah, it, it kind of like a little bit of a, a moment there where you're like, oh, I did, it doesn't have to be all in on this and all in on that. Yeah. It's like take the best pieces of those and make a program that works for you. And I can see mm-hmm. that that's kind of what's happened this last year and you've you've been making some substantial progress for sure thanks man yeah i think the biggest uh light bulb moment of like while working with emmett was just that you can um implement all this stuff and still make progress like you could still train the strength you could still Mm -hmm. train the hand balancing you could still train mobility and like you can do all of those to its fullest but still make progress and Mm -hmm. i think that's the biggest thing i've been researching now is like how to keep getting stronger, keep getting more flexible while not giving up either of those attributes. Nice. Um, and I think that's this type of work you're doing as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you know. for sure. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, how are the hips doing now? Like, do you yeah. Find- so I'm still dealing with some stuff. Um, yeah. they're not perfect. And like, for me, the middle splits have always been my biggest, um, kind of problem area like the, my adductors have always been the most guarded and that's pretty common people with label tears right uh, so we're that's like the big thing of like figuring out uh how to just calm these adductors down and hip flexors too um but they've definitely come a long way and like i could squat on command like whenever i want i don't need a big warm-up my leg day uh, warm-up is maybe 15 minutes right um my hand balancing warm-ups are more extensive because you got to warm the wrist. You literally got to warm up everything, but yeah. Yeah. It's dude. I'm like, I don't need any bands. I don't need any, you know, lacrosse balls. Like it, my my whole philosophy has changed and like, I can just go anywhere. I could go to a park and I could just start moving without restrictions, but nothing is completely cured yet. And I think, you know, there's a lot of, people you know on youtube especially talking about fai and stuff that they're like oh you know like you'll never have to deal with this again like do our program and you'll be fixed but right i think no i mean you're gonna be kind of at a bio biomechanical disadvantage just because of bone shape but it doesn't mean it will become problematic so think of like morphology versus pathology so morphology is like okay you may have abnormal bone shapes but Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to become a pathology so it can become a pathology where you know you do have the abnormal bone shapes you have the labral tears but you're also overloading your body you know stress on your body is overloading and or could be underloading you could be underloading your body like i get a ton of patients in the clinic who have hip pain but they're sedentary workers right exactly and or um there's ton of impact in the body so like the structures in your hip are just colliding all the time so that's why fai is super common in sports mm-hmm. um cutting sports soccer basketball ice hockey um rugby gaelic rugby i know there's like a 400 percent increase in like hip, arth- hip arthroscopic surgeries in wow. gaelic rugby um over the past few years like it's been crazy 
And it's yeah. just like you said, how like you get this diagnosis. I know we're going off on a tangent. but No, this is get, what we need to talk about, man. Yeah, it's like you get this diagnosis and they're left with these like, okay, now what? Uh, well, you can have a follow up with this ortho surgeon, yeah. see where you go from there. Like different healthcare practitioners are just passing you off because they don't yeah. have the answers for themselves. Yeah. So, and then, yeah, maybe you go to physical therapy and you're just on ice packs, heat packs and just doing some generic hip whatever exercises so man i don't even know where i was going with this so i I think you're you're going in the direction that like these people that we're going to for answers aren't taking the time to understand their bodies enough to be able to tell us and teach us how to understand our bodies it's just i'm going to look in a textbook and this is a you know diagnosis you're just going to go to the next go to the next line and get taken care of, you know, get surgery or whatever. I mean, the hips are the, probably the most complicated, I would say in the human body, everyone's, everyone's display of hip ability is different. Like, you know, it could be an imbalance from the hamstrings. It could be an imbalance from, you know, rotation. Like it's, it's all the hips are the most complicated part of the body and and people aren't finding answers with like one like how do you actually like learn how to use your hips properly um how how do you train in such a way where you can just like improve those capacities it's just like go to the next line (laughs) go to the next line that's that's what you were saying the other day is like you're now a doctor of physical therapy yourself and you've taken that journey to understand your body so that you can now help others understand their body. Like, I want to go to you. I want to go talk to this guy. He's training his ass off. Uh, he's, you know, has his own issues and limitations. And we all do. Like, at the end of the day, we all have our own little things that we're dealing with, right? Um, but that's kind of part of the problem as well, is that people are are just not getting answers. They're just getting shoved to the next line. And no one's mm. actually taking the time to try to understand their capacities at the hip, for example, right? that's yeah that's the biggest problem in healthcare man i think you and uh, jeffrey wolf talked about it in your podcast but like how a physician or uh, a doctor would tell you nutrition advice when they're obese you know (laughs) it's kind of the same thing it's like why are you taking movement advice from someone who doesn't even move yeah and yeah i i do think it's like it's got to be a prerequisite for physical therapists who are supposed to be movement specialists like right that's like the definition of the physical therapist, the movement specialist. And, but like these people don't even move. Like yeah. they're just desk jockeys doing paperwork yeah. a lot of the times. And I don't think you have to, you know, be the, do the same stuff I'm doing or anything. You just have to be exploring your body's capacity. You're um, exploring your body's whatever limits, you know, like yeah. Yeah. a run, maybe you're into running, maybe you're into tennis, maybe you're into just something to where you're, you're training your body and, yeah, you can be getting some injuries here and there, but mm-hmm. uh, you're, you're figuring it out. You're trying to figure it out. Yeah. You got to be into something, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I think, yeah, the more of those people need to be accessible when people are given like a blanket diagnosis like that. Cause I think even a lot of times, you know, it, it can just come down to the fact that no, you don't actually have FAI. You don't have impingement. You just need to actually improve rotation of your hip or improve uh hamstring length like it's just these things right like some people are and you can see the defeat in 
being diagnosed with that, like some people are just like, Oh, well, I guess I'm, I can't do anything. Like I was told. Yeah, that. So, so here's the thing, like the studies now, I mean, it's pretty clear. There's people with um, labral tears, subchondral cysts, all this different crap going on in the hip, but they have mm-hmm. no pain. So I was actually looking at a study last night. I think it was like 2018. Um, they took like 300 athletes uh, coming from, you know, rugby, dance, all these different type of um, movement disciplines. Um, they looked at their symptomatic hips. I think like 90% of them had whatever type of morphology, labral tear, cam, pincer impingements. And then they just looked at their contralateral hip and like 50% of them had the same thing, labral tear, uh, different impingements, but they weren't symptomatic. Like they were feeling no pain from it. Mm, So if we have all these athletes that have no pain, but they have all this other stuff that people also are in pain with, it's like, we can't really correlate them. It's like saying I have hip pain and I have black hair. Therefore people with black hair have hip pain, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough to correlate, yeah. especially because the labrum itself, you know, it's the shock absorber in the hip and it does not do good with surgery. Mm-hmm. It, um, you know, it's been pretty clear that, it, you know, the more you spend time operating in a joint, the more it will lead to arthritis. But now right. there's also the myth that surgeons will tell people, it's like, you don't get surgery, you're probably going to have arthritis. And, you know, it's the same thing with like meniscus surgeries. Mm-hmm shoulder um but yeah it's especially in athletics man there's such an emotional part of it too because their their only answer is surgery it's like the surgeon they everyone wants an answer like three months you'll be back on the field or six months you'll be back in the field good but it's just not that case like it's gonna be a long time and i would rather take the route of you know exploring what you have yeah exactly like you need to exhaust all your conservative options before you even go the the surgical route like like i'm not even thinking about surgery at this point at all like there's been times in the past where i'm like oh you know i'm just not getting more flexible i was using all the excuses you know genetics everything my dad played professional rugby he had two hip replacements at age 40 you know that's super young yeah so like it already put it in my mind like uh, like I'm not meant to be flexible, you know? Right. But it's just not the case. Like anybody oh, can yeah. adapt. Yeah. Absolutely. Everyone can adapt, no matter yeah. the age. Yeah. And you and then you just look at the traditional prescription of exercise. Mm. And there's there's no there's nothing outside the box, man. It's just like here's some basic strength movements, here's some basic uh stretching, warm up, cool down, whatever. Yeah. And uh yeah there's so much more out there and no one's being presented with it and no one's like taking the time to go like the people that are taking the time to go like put themselves in those environments like as coaches that's the thing is like you got to be willing to put yourself in an environment of like growth like I don't know what I'm doing and this is like completely new and I'm really shitty at this mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah and if we can do learn to do that we can find some answers and we can learn how to uh, I wouldn't even say like deal with these kind of symptoms that we'll have to deal with but navigate them in such a way where we can do some pretty incredible things like we can actually improve our flexibility we can actually 
um, find different ways to, you know, create some kind of uh, routine besides just like the traditional, you know, prescription that's being offered out there. So, yeah, I think that's, that's the other kind of message that needs to be delivered here. Like if, if you are dealing with some kind of hip impingement, like what haven't you done? And and Mm -hmm. usually it does come down to flexibility training, Mm -hmm. like in a way where, like you're saying too, like you're actually going to train and we're learn like learn to adapt and recover. Right. Um, Traditionally the same way we would train and do with strength training. Absolutely. So, and like saying, keeping that message uh, going, you know, keeping that message out there for people to hear is, is like so important because for most of those people that are dealing with these issues, they just haven't even, they haven't even scratched the surface on that stuff. I know, man. So like when I get somebody that comes to me with these same kind of problems, you kind of initially treat it like any other injury. So like the first thing to check off is load management. Like, are you still, you get punched in the face and you have a black eye. Are you going to still punch yourself in the face? You know, you're probably not going to heal. Yeah. So like, how can we manage volume in a way that isn't insulting the body? Isn't, you know, causing, you know, excess shear and and, uh, strain on the hip. And then we look at how can we create more space in the hip itself? You know, that's where the flexibility training comes in. And then the motor control aspect, like, are we moving correctly? You know, are we squatting like a stripper and you're causing <laughs> early jamming of the joint? Yeah. Um, and then it comes down to stability in the joint. Like, are we building strength around all the structures in the joint? Something interesting too, is like, it's like, okay, so we know in studies, uh, the labrum isn't the thing causing the, these intraarticular hip pains. It's like, so what is it then? And you have all these small muscles, like you saying, um, the hip is so complex. There's all this stuff around there. There's tons. I think there's maybe like 10 muscles that are just crossing the hip joint. And then there's a bunch of muscles that insert into the capsule itself. And a lot of the times it's tendinopathies of these muscles that are inserting into the capsule. So it feels kind of intraarticular. I saw a study recently. It was, it was like the rectus femoris was like a big cause of anterior hip pain. And it's like, okay, you can't, you know, your hip flexors are tight as shit. You sit all day and yep. you don't train. It's like, there you go. There's what you're not doing. Yep. Like explore that route. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the basic, basics of it. Um, and like, so for you with now working with clients, mm-hmm. um, in these kind of capacities where they're coming in and they have, you know, these snares with the hip, taking those steps are you finding that like rotation work becomes at a high um focus point for these individuals because i mean it is like an important it's certainly something that needs to be addressed it's very popularly being pushed out there right now is like rotation 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 and like internal rotation like what are your thoughts on that and with your experience like how have you been using that approach and what you're seeing and stuff yeah it's it's a good and relevant question because i think two years ago i would have been like yep rotation is everything if you don't have rotation then your hip is just not going to move well linearly and that's the the thing being put out there right now but Mm. i am kind of on the other side of the spectrum now Um, 
I think I look, I take more of the muscles approach. So especially in the hip, um, you know, it's common that, you know, you look at the capsule, then the one joint muscles, then the muscles that attach to two joints. So deep to superficial, I kind of, I mean, for myself and other people I work with, I'm kind of noticing it's the superficial musculature that's, you know, restricting the joint from actually moving. Mm. Um, so I do think it's one of those things you try out and you see mm. if it works for somebody. Like if you do a lot of internal rotation work, they don't have a lot of internal rotation work and they start to feel better, then good. We're onto something. But a lot of times I'm finding if you push internal rotation work and you're getting like a bony limit and you keep pushing it, it's just going to make things worse. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and you could just be causing more inflammation and especially in an area that, so it's like we get these bony overgrowths for a natural adaptation to whatever you're doing. So especially in cutting sports where, okay, the athlete already doesn't stretch. So they already have limited space in the joint. So you know, you're getting this early ramming of the acetabulum and femur. So that's why the bone responds to growing more bone. Um, so it's like if we're training internal rotation and we're, we just keep slamming ourselves, jamming ourselves into a bony block, then we might just be making the problem worse and, right. you know, causing more bone to be grown over time. Right. Uh, so it's just something you try out. You see if it if it works for someone. A lot yeah. of times people have more internal rotation than they think, and they. Right. So I do I do work that early on, but I think it gets to a point where you're not going to get too much, and the more internal rotation you're going to get is from softening up the adductors, softening up the hip flexors, softening up the piriformis, and uh, going down that route. So mm -hmm. I know for myself, like I don't do too much internal rotation work right now. Mm -hmm. it's more just for structural balance so like yeah training side splits you're you're working a lot of external rotation yeah. so then i'll balance it out with a lot of internal rotation stuff yeah so yeah it's kind of the thing like you know you try it out see if it works and um if not go the muscles route yeah i like that idea for sure uh the muscles do the job and yeah what like what kind of softening work would you recommend like because then that's the concept too where you know we're sitting on a foam roller for you yeah. know an hour and stuff, but kind of getting away from that. Like what, what kind of areas are you navigating with that now? I mean, tension, like you can't find relaxation without tension. So right. like, you know, the strength work with flexibility, I think a lot of people, especially the adductors, they're very mm. neurologically tight. So you got to get them strong. Um, a lot of Taylor's pose work, Mm -hmm. heavy Taylor's pose, heavy adductor flies, side split, isometrics. I, I really like the contract, relax, agonist contract nice. or paled rails, whatever you want to call it. So like <laughs> you build, yeah, you build a lot of tension yeah. in the muscle group and then take big inhales take, or big exhales and then relax it out mm -hmm. and you can go deeper. It's kind of like the Kit Laughlin approach. Yeah. Just building comfort. I think the comfort comes after the range has been built yeah i think you know using the end range strengthening techniques all that stuff loaded stretching to build the range and yeah. then that's where the passive stuff works well to you know get comfortable in the new range you've built nice man i think right off the bat just like taking a naturally stiff person and it's like all right two minutes at a pancake 
you know but yeah. i don't think that goes over well i think building no. the range first with more strength based work yeah no that's good um what would you say to any of our listeners that maybe think they're in impingement right now um first go get assessed by uh someone who's walking the walk yeah yeah <laughs> um and just know that there is more to the freaking answer of just get surgery like yeah your body it you know it always wants to heal itself you just have to give it the reason to yeah. and uh the environment to yeah so yeah man start exploring start uh you know getting strong things. around the structure of the hip <laughs> yeah, yeah. everything we've been saying man like yeah it's not a good enough statement to just say go get surgery or just take time off and rest and whatever yeah. like start changing up your training if it's if it's uh like if you're an athlete who's just in chronic pain from their training like start changing some things up you know yeah 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 100 percent. and where can uh, the listeners find your work i was talking about a little bit to start but I mean, kind of yeah um, basically instagram um at g money movement uh, i got a website right now g money movement.com cool other than that yeah that's it <laughs> awesome man well thanks for uh taking some time to sit down with me and talk about this stuff this is the kind of stuff i think that needs to be talked about more and people need to hear um it from a perspective of someone else's journey and not only someone else's journey and that they're uh, learning to overcome this and deal with this, but also, uh, have taken a path of, you know, your doctor of physical therapy now, and you're learning to kind of relay this message to a greater audience and help a lot of other people. And, uh, yeah, that's what my podcast is all about bringing these people to, uh, the, uh, listeners. So thanks Absolutely, for, man. yeah, thanks for coming on, man. For sure, dude. It was a pleasure. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.